Christopher Iyer up against his former teammate Craig Gordon for the cup. And he's done it! He has done it! History! More history for Celtic Football Club! How's it going, Liam? Hi, all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. So, back for another podcast for Celtic Down Under. As every Celtic fan out there would pretty much have watched that on repeat by now. Uh, Chris Iyer scoring the winning penalty in the Scottish Cup on the weekend. So, yeah, we'll just jump straight into a review of that game. So, what was your take on the game, Liam? Um, at the risk of sounding like St. Greavesy here, uh, a game of two halves in every sense of the word. First half, we blew them away. 2 nothing could easily have been 4 or 5 nothing. Um, second half, we started slow. Hearts were clearly hungry, came at us, got the goal they wanted. We reacted the way we've reacted throughout this season when, when we lose a goal, which is just confidence goes to goes to pieces, and Hearts rallied back. Then we showed a great deal of character to step up again and go ahead again in extra time. Lee Griffiths once again coming on and bailing us out, um, only to then lose it again and bring ourselves down to penalties. And... Of course, then Connor Hazard becomes the new hero, saving two penalty kicks. And, um, you know, it was kind of like the that whole kind of Star Wars idea of the master surpassing the apprentice, you know, with him and Craig Gordon. <laughs> but, yeah, it was quite, a, quite an end-to-end match, and I, I certainly had a bit of a headache on Monday morning. How about you, Jared? Well, first of all, just quickly note, I'll mention something. Anyone who follows Liam on social media knows he's been all over the Mandalorian lately, so that's why there was a Star Wars uh, reference in there, everyone. Now, <laughs> now, now, back to the game. Yeah, as you said, and we spoke about before the podcast, half-time, we should, probably should have been up 4-5-0, dominant first-half performance. Second half, yeah, it was like, like half-time came at the wrong time for us. Stopped our momentum. The guys just didn't get up and running, and... Hearts got that spring in their step from that goal. Um, I think their second goal should have been waved off because of, you know, the two guys who ran Hazard into his own net. But you don't get those calls. Well, we don't get those calls in general. So nothing to see here. Move along. As uh, Jock Steen said, leave it out of the referee's hands. So we should have been miles ahead by then anyway. Then, yeah, as you said, battle back, get the get in front. And then soft goal for their, for them to equalise again. It was funny because at that point, if you jumped onto Twitter, Connor Hazard was getting absolutely slated. Mm. Funny what 10, 15 minutes later at the end of a penalty shootout doesn't to a player's reputation on, on the social media channels because, yeah, he basically, a star, if he hadn't already done it at that point, a star was born after that moment. A couple of great mm. saves. I was re-watching the penalty shootout and everything before we got on here, as you're aware of, Liam. And, yeah, it's um just the speed he had, Connor Hazard has to be on his line and to get down that quickly, great keeper. Big future. Happy for him. Yeah. Um, for a keeper to be thrown into a cup final and only his third game for the team, and to especially, you know, because it... it I think you could say he was possibly at fault for the third goal. Um, I don't. I don't fault him for the first two goals. Third goal, yeah, I probably should probably handle that cross better. But to then show the character to step up and save two penalties after that—that that shows you that 
I mean, we saw with some of the saves that he made, he has the ability. But with a goalkeeper, having the courage and the bottle to pick yourself up after a mistake is probably even more important than just the raw ability. And Hazard showed that he has both. Exactly. And I think Ryan Christie owes him drinks pretty much the rest of his life after bailing him out for missing his penalties. So I just want to say something to be a bit funny here. So just counting, bear with me. So before this season, Connor Hazard had only played 33 professional games. Mm. Put three more games in his 36 games he's played first team football and he's won more trophies than Rangers. Cheap shot. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, talking about that, my dad pointed something out to me the other day. He he sent me a photo of myself when I was five years old, getting shown around Celtic Park and getting to hold the Scottish Cup. And he said, Liam, you've held the Scottish Cup more times than the Rangers captain has. <laughs> oh, brilliant. There's all sorts of jokes and memes and stuff all over the place as well. So it's, just, it's great to see... The Celtic support online, having a bit of a chuckle, even though the game was a lot harder than it probably should have been at halftime, it's great to see people getting a bit of not being so serious and having a bit of a laugh and enjoying the moment So, and enjoying history being made. So happy days with that result at the end of it. Um, one thing I do want to touch on is Lincoln Redims, shut it, know your place. You were a semi-professional team if not professional, when you did your five in a row, your five trebles, it doesn't count. There's probably local teams over here in Australia who have won more and done more trebles in a row, but that's amateur football. It doesn't count for shite. Aye. Aye, I would I would second that. Um, you know, I've, I've won eight trebles on FIFA on the PlayStation. Does that mean I'm better than them? Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, the joys of... Uh, you know, Twitter and people's stupidity. Anyway, yep. in the game, we we called it on our um, last podcast and on our appearance on the Axon Weekender that there was going to be Scott Brown and Naismith having a moment or two. John was talking all about that, saying that they were going to clatter each other, and sure enough, it happened. Um, Naismith was lucky to get away with not getting red carded. He got the Morales treatment basically against us in that game. What's your take on that whole running battle they had, Liam? Yeah, um, it's amazing what a, how how gallus a player can get when he knows he's basically immune to prosecution. You know, um, the the way that Naismith carried on, it was like the it's kind of like that scenario you see in primary school of the the boy who knows his big brother's the best fight on the school, so he runs around kicking everybody. You know. <laughs> Yes. really was quite pathetic because he he knew the referee wasn't going to act on it because he was told a couple of times, stop it. And he kept doing it. And if a referee tells you not to do something, then you do it and no action is taken. Well, then that's the referee's authority completely gone. Exactly. It's a referee basically saying, actually, it's kind of the equivalent of your parents saying, if you don't behave, I'm going to take your, play, your PlayStation off you or you're going to be grounded or go to your room and then... You don't listen to them and they don't punish you or follow through on it. It's the exact same thing. It's just lip service. That's all it is from the referee to make it look like he's doing something. But it doesn't surprise me. No. And then the running battle, the, the overflow of it after the game where, you know, the whole gave him a bit of what for and they didn't like it much. So, um, 
Yeah, Chris Bungard had a ripper tweet about it as well, about Naismith. So, uh, yeah, good to see. <laughs> yeah, I think Naismith is well and truly putting his players come full time. Not to worry about that. <laughs> Talking about people who should be put in their place. Neil McCann. Discuss. Oh. I'll just throw it straight over to you, Liam. I'm not even going to mention what happened. That's all for you to know about and talk about. Right. Okay, well... If anyone's interested, I did I did do a write-up on this for CelticNowForever.com yesterday. Um, but I'll elaborate here. Basically, Neil McCann is as hateful and as ignorant as he is um, forgetful. Because uh, he's going on about how Edward's penalty was disrespectful and it was selfish and it was, you know, possibly insight. I mean, it's, it, I heard people use the phrase insightful. How can you incite something if there's not a crowd there? <laughs> if there's nobody there to incite, how is it insightful? Um, is, he, is he thinking insightful like it's smart instead of insightful like he's inciting a no, right? No, no, he's no, probably getting his that, words confused. What I read insightful as into incite violence was what I'd read. But. Yeah, I know that. I'm just thinking it, maybe he's getting confused because he's a bit of a dumbass. But anyway. Quite possibly, I actually, I didn't think of that. Quite possibly, um, but he's he's wrong on two counts, right? One, this is a guy who did a mock huddle at Celtic Park on a on a during a game where it was very very close to there being a riot and several arrests were made and the referee was hit with a coin, so he's in no position to lecture anybody about <laughs> behaving themselves on the park. Um, and two, he's actually completely missing the tactical genius of Edward's penalty. Because if you think about it, Edward and Gordon trained together for a couple of years. Gordon probably faced dozens of Edward penalties in training. So he's going to have an idea of where Edward's going to put his penalty and what's his favoured spot. Because every striker has a favoured, you know, they'll vary it from time to time, but strikers always have a favoured way they're going to put a penalty. And keepers who work with them know that. Um, so Gordon obviously thought Edward's going in that corner because that's where he usually puts them. So Edward has to improvise. He's thinking, what's the one thing that Craig Gordon is not going to be expecting? The Penenka. And so he does it. It was thinking on your feet. It was ingenuity. Wasn't it arrogance? Wasn't selfishness? It wasn't a get it up you. It was an actual tactical decision that he made that worked. And then Craig Gordon's reaction, getting the ball, throwing it at him and getting a yellow card for it. It's just the banty years. I love it. <laughs> But the thing is, if you ask Craig Gordon now, he would probably say he was more annoyed at himself than he was at Edward. Yeah, of course he would. You know. <laughs> the um, the funny thing about that though is nowadays so many strikers try the Panenka that I honestly reckon if say if fifty percent of all penalties, if the keeper just stayed still in the middle and kept their feet, they'd be able to save the majority of them, probably half of them, because the majority yeah. either go straight down the middle or they'll Panenka rather than going wide now because it's Less chance they'll miss. They expect the keeper to make a decision. Aye, that's it. I mean, if, if you, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's like playing roulette, where it's like, is it going to be red or black? Then it lands on zero. Yeah, exactly. The Penenka is like the zero of, of that equation, you know? Yeah. Interesting take on it. Neil McCann's a, um, the original rat before Rogers, so um, I honestly don't care what he says. Anytime he says anything, all I do is picture... He's got all these buck teeth eating a bunch of cheese. Guy's just an idiot. No idea. 
He's... It's that classic trope of somebody just, you know, being as bitter and as one-sided as they can in a desperate attempt to get controversy and therefore get attention. Exactly. He's just... He's nailed it spot on there. He's trying to stay relevant. Make controversy, keep his name in lights. People want to employ him. People want to talk about him. So, um, yeah. And the less said, the better. So I think we've given him enough airtime here. So we'll move on to the next post-match thing there, which is Lee Griffith's fitness comments, saying that he'd like to play more. What's your take Mm. on that, Liam? Yeah, I mean, it's really... I I don't understand the kind of fuss people are making about this. What else is a striker who's not in the team going to say? Of course he's going to say he wants to play more. That's just logical. And when he comes on, he scores. So what better argument is there for being in the team than saying, well, look, when you play me, I score goals. So I really think that, yeah, Griffiths probably has earned a run in the team. I mean, certainly... I think he's a more viable option than a Jetty or Klamala at the moment. Um, Edward is a is a better player, but he's not a player particularly in good form at the moment. And a bit of hunger, which is what Griffiths has right now, might be exactly what the Celtic team need. The scary thing um, with our four strikers yeah. is that Griffiths and Klamala, at least when they get out there, they show a bit of work rate. Where yeah. a Jetty. He's being played. He should. I reckon if he was playing in a two, we'd see a lot different player than having him up there on his own against the whole back line. But yeah, what Griffiths is saying is, if he wasn't making these comments, if he was happy to be sitting on the bench and getting a paycheck, people would be moaning about him, saying, "Oh, sell him, get rid of him. He's not needed." So if he wasn't doing that, if he wasn't commenting saying, "I want to play more," then you'd be worried. The fact that he's saying that. I think it's a good thing because it shows that, okay, the fire is back in Bally and he wants to get out there and do something. And when he takes the field, he makes things happen, whether it's scoring goals or his corner kicks or his free kicks, he makes things happen for us. So, And just the way he plays, it opens up space for other strikers if we go two up the top. So I'd be happy for him to play more. And before anyone says it, he does not have a gut on him. And if, he, if that's having a gut on him, I would happily be that that overweight. Aye. I've gone for shites bigger than Lee Griffiths has got. <laughs> oh, dude. Sorry. <laughs> well. Yeah. I'm a 20 stone man. What am I going to say? You know, come on. <laughs> All right. So, Liam, <sighs> in your opinion, after the game on the weekend... Has your view changed at all on is the 10 still in play? Is it still in play? And if it is, what do we as a club need to do to save our season and still win the 10? Right. Yes, the 10 is still in play because, and I've been consistent with this, I've never said it was out of play. I've admitted it's become increasingly more difficult, but I've never actually come out and said, we're not going to win this. Because I've always thought there's a chance for two reasons. One, we know that Celtic are grossly underperforming at the moment. And they still underperformed on Sunday, even though we won. That needs to be acknowledged. Um, But also, Rangers are not as good a team as as everybody thinks they are. Um, You know, going into into the weekend, I watched their game on Saturday night as well. And 
for 75 minutes, they were struggling against an extremely mediocre uh, Motherwell team. You know, they were very... I wouldn't say they were outplayed. They were clearly the better team, but they couldn't score against a defence which was just giving them chance after chance. And then, of course, in 75 minutes, they finally get their goal and end up winning 3-1. But to me, that's a team that can be beaten. And they lost last week. Then they didn't put on the convincing five or six nothing demolition that you would expect them to do against a team like Motherwell when they've just lost a match, when they're hurting and when they feel they've got a point to prove. Instead, it was another very mediocre performance. And if that would have been a Hibs or an Aberdeen instead of a Motherwell, they might well have lost that game. They are on the crest of a slump. I really think they are, they are, they're heading for a run of bad games. The important thing is we need to find a run of good games. Um, the next couple of weeks will be very telling, not just because we're playing them and we need to beat them. If we don't beat them, then the 10 is probably gone. Um, but they've got to play Hibs before they play us, which is another one where they could stagger. And can you imagine the pressure that would be on them going into that game if their seven-point lead after, um, you know, seven-point lead after the game's in hand are taken away as it stands right now? If they lost to Hibs and then lost to us, that suddenly becomes a one-point lead. That's a major bottle job in the space of less than a week, and it could very easily happen to them. Our job is to keep winning. Um. I'm still not entirely convinced we can do that because, you know, as 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 much as Hearts put up a very battling, brave, and I've got to say impressive performance, they're still a first division team. We should be steamrolling first division teams regardless of who they are. Um, truth be told, we should be steamrolling everybody in that league apart from Rangers. But uh, we didn't, and that is a concern. So, yeah, to answer the question, 10 is still on. The next 10 days are going to be absolutely crucial. And if we win the next few games, very much game on. What do you think? I feel like I'm going to be a bit of a flip-flopper here because I've, I've said at different points, oh, I think it's over, just a gut feel, and then they have a bad result, we have a decent result, and suddenly it's like, oh, okay, there's still a flicker there, there's still a still on so for me I hope like hell it's still on and we can still do it and like you just said we've got a good run of games coming up where we're playing Ross County, Hamilton and Dundee United before we play them we need to get all nine points out of those games They, if their form keeps going the way it is at the moment I'm, I'm thinking they'll drop a couple of points we play them I don't want us the key thing above all else is we cannot afford to lose to them at Ibrox in January. Yeah. we It's going to end up, because of games in hand and stuff like that at the moment, it looks like there could be a point where we've got four games in hand on them coming up. So yeah. if that's the case, we win these games, get our nine points, they drop a couple, and then as long as we don't lose to them, the league is still on. If we beat them, great, they're going to implode. However, if we lose to them at Ibrox, it's going to become borderline... I'm going to start looking for Tom Cruise because it's going to be borderline Mission Impossible. Mm. 
I, save I, I, would, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. To save our season, that was the other question that I said before. What needs to be done? Lenny needs to stick with the Turnbull Sorrow in the midfield, those two, and rotate Bruni in and out when Sorrow needs a breather. But he's got to play the younger legs in the middle of the park. That's the key thing. Another thing that needs to be done to save the season, in my opinion, is he spoke about it after the Ferencvaros game earlier in the season about people who don't want to be there. There's a couple of people who aren't playing at all, aren't even making squads, who we could get a fee for. Sometimes it's addition by subtraction. So there's guys there like in Cham, for instance, he'd be one if we got an offer in for eight, ten, twelve million, I'd, I'd I'd cut the hand off, take the money, and see you later. Driving to the airport. We're pretty loaded in the midfield, so I think it's a matter of if we're going to let players go in January, we keep the guys we need who are important, but where we've got duplicate talents and they're not happy and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but if, say, someone like Encham or a big offer come in for Christie even, I'd almost consider taking it. Yeah. It's, it's, so long as the, on the proviso that that money is immediately reinvested in making the team better. Exactly. Um, you know that I think there's a lack of um, there's a lack of freshness about the Celtic team generally just now, which is why Turnbull and Sorrow coming in was such a big impact because it was two guys who were hungry, had a point to prove, and did it in quite a, quite some style. Um. Guys like Cham, it's frustrating because you know he's the sort of guy who will sell him maybe for ten million, and he'll go on and become a thirty million player in a couple of years because he'll go somewhere else and be a star because he'll be motivated to do it. Um, you know, I think Edward to a certain extent as well. He's a much better player than he's showing at the moment, um, and. It's the frustrating thing. You just need to hope Celtic make sure they put in good sell-on clauses when they let these guys go because we'll get plenty more money for them down the road, I think. Exactly. That's one thing Lowell does do well with the you know, the sell-on clauses and stuff. So, yeah, I'm hoping he does that, get a good sell-on mm-hmm. as well because if we're going to let guys go on the cheap, i.e. if Cham goes for 8 to $10 million for that sort of range, realistically, 12 months ago, he would have been a 15 to $20 million player after the Lazio game. So... We're already taking a hit now, so if we're clever, we'll do what I don't. I don't like them, but we'll do what Hearts did when they let Hickey go to Italy. They put, yeah. they let him go for a nominal fee or a lower fee, but they put a big sell on on him. It's the same thing with Frimpong when he came to us, thirty percent sell on from Man City for him. If we let Encham go and he goes for eight million, we're going to want to have a good 30 percent sell on. I yeah, I would agree. But anyway, we'll leave the the main part of the transfer talk for um I think we'll talk about that maybe next week's podcast considering it's like the one we'll do right before the window opens, so we'll we'll get more of the guys on next week and talk about that. Yeah. If anyone's listening has any questions or anything they think we should be doing in the transfer window at Celtic Down on Twitter, send us a, a message, let us know your thoughts on it and we'll Mention it on next week's podcast. So, coming up on the weekend, we are playing Ross County. Hang on, is that tomorrow? Morning? Actually, not the weekend. Aye. And then we've got Aye. Hamilton on the weekend. That's it. I was looking at the wrong wrong way. And so, um, yeah. 
think we owe, we owe Ross County a, a bit of a beating. They've had the old um, sack the manager, new guys come in, um, hoping they don't get the, the new manager bounce off the back of that. What are you thinking from the game, Liam? Well, that's going to be an interesting one for the neutrals out there, isn't it? You know, the the team that everyone's been demanding sack their manager who hasn't and the team who rather surprisingly sacked their manager, who's going to get the better result? <laughs> but um, no, I think, we, I think we should have enough to beat them. I mean, I, we should have had enough to beat them a couple of weeks ago, but Ross County caught us cold because we badly underestimated them in the cup. And I, I'm hoping that Celtic learn their lesson and don't do that again and we take this game a lot more seriously. Um, I think after the cup final, on one hand, we'll be buoyed by the fact that we've got a trophy in the bag. But on the other hand, I think everybody knows that it's still a long way to go to get to a level that's going to satisfy the supporters um, and is actually going to you know, make people take us seriously as title challengers again. So I think, yeah, I expect Celtic to go out and try and put on a show. I'm going to say, I'm going to say three nothing to Celtic. Yeah, I was going to say same thing. I was going to say three nil as well. Um, I honestly don't care. This is going to sound really weird. I honestly mm. do not care too much for formations and all that sort of crap in this one. I just want a good team performance for ninety minutes. That's the key thing for me. If we yeah. play well for a full 90 minutes as a team, keep our structure, keep our formation, play disciplined football, the result will take care of itself. That's what I want to see. I want to see some growth and de- and development in the way we're playing. The way we played in the first half on the weekend in this, against Hearts, I want to see that for 90 minutes. That yeah. is the, what we need. The results, if we win 1-0 but play 90 minutes like that, and we miss 10, 15 chances, whatever. I honestly don't care because we're still getting the three points, but it's the performance. And that means we'll be getting guys into form and we'll be going in the right direction, heading up towards when we play Rangers in January. So that's the key thing for me is the performance above all else. But yeah, I reckon it'll be a 3-0 win. By any means necessary, we've got to win the next three games before we play them. That's just the, that's the absolute bare minimum to to keep us in contention. Because um, as I mentioned, you know the the prospect of them possibly dropping something to Hibs and then looking at bottling it when they play us. Um, you know, if Celtic drop anything before we play Rangers, then our bottle's going to be seriously called into question as well. Yeah, exactly. and a team that's already looking nervous in spells, you know. Um, so that cuts two ways. We hope they drop something. We also need to make absolutely sure we don't drop anything. Yep, spot on. And then on the weekend, we're playing against Hamilton. So we've got the team in last tomorrow and the team in second last on the weekend in Hamilton. Again, what I just said, it's the exact same thing for me. I want quality 90 minutes against Ross County and I want us to back that up again against Hamilton. I think that game, because that's away, I think, at their place, which is on the plastic... Yeah, so um, that one I reckon will probably be a, a 3-1 because we tend to always concede a really sloppy goal when we play on a plastic pitch. So, yeah, I'm saying 3-1 in that game, but I still want a good performance from us. Uh, you know what? I'm going to agree with you. 3 is probably a good shot. 
Because um, like you say, I think we'll concede, but I still think we'll do enough to win. Yep, so it's going to be a um, strange time of the year. You know, coming into Christmas break, we've got a couple of games. One for us on the, the day before Christmas, the game's on over here. And then, yeah, the game on the weekend. And then another one midweek next week. So it's going to be a... Uh, games are coming quick and fast. So, yeah. As long as we're picking up points, that's the main thing for me. Um, you got anything else you want to discuss, Liam? I was just going to ask you, do you think... Um, you know, usually around Christmas and New Year, you, you sometimes get these outrageous results. Um, you know, like games finishing like 5-3 or 6-4 or whatever. Can you see anything of that happening in the next couple of weeks? Any games that you think are going to be a mental scoreline? For us or in the whole league? In the in the league generally. I actually haven't looked at the whole league fixture in probably about a month. Mm. So yeah, I, I could see. I could see the Hibs Rangers game going that, that way. Be like each or something. Sorry, what was that? The Hibs Rangers game. I could see that being a high scoring one, possibly <laughs> like a three or a four or something. We both just said the same thing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go we spoke over each other and we said the same thing so yeah I said I could see the Hibs Rangers game being that you said what three or four each or whatever yeah uh, that'll be a, that could be a high scoring one but knowing our luck because that's what we're thinking it'll probably end up as like a one nil boring 84th minute goal or something and someone parks a bus well, as long as it's for Hibs I don't care oh, that, that would suit Hibs better I reckon because Jack Ross can set up a structured defence so would not Aye. bother me at all. <laughs> um, one quick other thing. During the week, there was stories about like Rakeem Harper and today they reported uh, that Dundee United goalkeeper Segrist has been linked to Celtic. What's your take on them? Those rumours. Um, Segrist is a, a keeper who's impressed me in the few games that I've seen him play. I mean, I've only seen Dundee United maybe three or four times this year either when they've played us or they've played Rangers. And yeah, he's a keeper who looks good. He's very commanding as a presence. And that's something that I think all three keepers at Celtic at the moment to different degrees are maybe a wee bit lacking. There's just that physical presence. Um, you want opposing strikers to be afraid to go up for a header against your, against your keeper, you know? Um, don't quite know if Segrist would be a guy who'd come in and challenge for the number one spot, but he'd definitely be a very good addition to the squad. It'd be better than Bane, um, let's be honest. Well, I that's what I mean. I think he's a he's a solid second choice. But we really need to be looking beyond that at the moment, I think. And if we're gonna if we are gonna sign him, then does that mean that either Bane or Barkas are getting jettisoned in January then? Because we can't have four keepers. Yeah, I don't want I don't want Barkas to go, to be honest with you. I think I don't want to sound like that wanker who um you know, he's like, you know, he can't understand the language sort of thing. But I think it's been a bigger adjustment period than he th than he thought it would be and everyone thought it would be. But you wouldn't have scouted him. I've said it before. You wouldn't have scouted him. wouldn't have spent that level of money for Celtic if he was absolute, just a massive chump of a goalkeeper. So there's a player there. But I honestly think, this is going to sound weird, Neil Lennon is not the right manager for him. You know what? I think there's definitely some merit in that. Um, Barkas, actually, 
speaks to a wider problem that isn't really talked about in football, but it's something I deal with quite a lot here in Japan. Um, are you familiar with the term culture shock? Yep. Right. So the I'll, for the viewers, I'll explain this. Would it be listeners? Sorry, for <laughs> listeners, I'll explain this. What it means is that basically you move to a foreign country for a new job, or say you get married to a foreign national, or whatever, and you move to this this other country. It's a country you know very little about, apart from what your job's going to be. And whether you know the language or not, it's still a massive mental issue because you don't have any friends. Little things you take for granted, like being able to go to the local supermarket and get the food that you like, reading the morning paper that you always like to read, going to the familiar pub that you can't go to anywhere because it's in another country. Little things like that just eat away at you. And it might not even manifest at first. It's usually about six weeks after you move that it first kicks in. Certainly that was a case for me when I moved to Japan. Um, is that you get this feeling of just helplessness, isolation, loneliness. And you don't really know what to do about it because there's nothing actually, you know, you can't say there's one specific thing wrong. You just don't feel comfortable where you are. And I get the feeling that might, that might be what Barkas is going through right now. Because we don't even have any other Greeks at the club who could talk him through that. You know, you look at, for example, in Cham and Edward, they pal about with each other. You know, you've got players from different countries, from maybe countries that share, have a shared culture, or whatever, they can hang out with each other. But we don't really have anybody else from Greece who could take Barkas under their wing and just say, look, here's, here's the, the score, here's how it works in Scotland, you know? I mean, years ago, I remember reading that, I don't know if this is true or not, but something that was said there was that the reason Celtic signed Koki Mizuno was actually to help Nakamura feel more settled in Scotland, but giving him another Japanese to pal about with. Yeah, and I the, think it was the same with uh, Ki Sung Young, where they had Charlie Ree. Same deal. And I wonder if, if that's maybe something to do with Arthur. Yeah, maybe. Sorry, say that again, mate? No, I was just saying maybe it was like with uh, Ki Sung Young, where they um, had Charda Root. Chaduri or whatever it is come in and play mm. there so he had someone so maybe we've got to go try and find another Greek man they've got some decent defenders we've got weaknesses there there you go let's find him let's yeah. find him a buddy genuinely I think that could be a that could be a good option um, I really it's something Celtic should look at but of course they should have psychologists that should be telling them that you know <laughs> exactly podcasters to tell them this yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a um, lot to be figured out there. But, yeah, I think there's a player there. I think you're right, Liam. It's definitely the culture shock. And, yeah, as you're saying, like, you don't know. You're saying, you know, you got your paper, your, your coffee shop, you got that. You know all the shortcuts around town. You know the best restaurants, the best cinemas, all that sort of stuff. you got your family and friends there. He hasn't got it. So, again, it's not the footballer. It's the human element there. So um, I'm hoping we can find a solution to... Uh, get him performing, but in the meantime, keep it up, Connor. You're doing well. Yep. Totally agree with that. Hazard is the best option for the moment. Anything else, or should we sing some Christmas carols to end the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to be singing, but uh, do we have a, a would you rather for this week, or...? Our would you rather is would you rather a Merry Christmas or a Happy Christmas? 
So everyone, have a Merry Christmas. Have a few drinks. Enjoy the football. But above all else, stay safe and enjoy spending time with family and friends. Yes, I'd uh, second that. And uh, yeah, everybody, hope you all have a great Christmas. And um, I'll, 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 I'll finish by giving you the, the same Christmas greeting in, in Japanese. So, you know, in English, you say Merry Christmas. <laughs> I know this one. They say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one, everyone. Hell, hell. Hell, hell. <laughs>